0: Welcome to the wellness journey podcast from the St. John Bionni center. I'm Dr. Mariette Danila and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you through these challenging times and to hopefully provide you with information that will help sustain you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is podcast 17. The title of today's podcast is Anticipatory Hope. And we have a guest speaker, Sister Mercedes McCann. If you recall in our previous podcast, we've been talking about resilience. And I talked about the first three component parts of Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania's PERMA model. So we talked about positive emotion, engagement, and relationships. And in our next podcast, we will talk about the other two component parts, which are meaning, does my life have meaning, and accomplishments. But for today, this is a very special treat because Sister Mercedes McCann, who is a psychotherapist and a very scholarly and learned woman, she's going to be talking to you about anticipatory hope. I recently heard her speak about this at a workshop and I was so impressed. I really wanted to share this with you and I wanted to do it now because the topic is so timely and I'm sure it is going to be uplifting. So without further ado, here is Sister Mercedes McCann.
1: Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about anticipatory hope. Anticipatory hope is one of the virtues we need to practice as opposed to anticipatory grief, especially as we live through this pandemic that shows no sign of abating. I'm not going to spend any time on anticipatory grief because there's more than enough of it to go around and we are too prone to succumb to it. Dr. Anthony Schioli, a noted clinical psychologist, who has done a great deal of research on hope states that there is a contagion of hopelessness at this time he says that covid-19 has precipitated a global hope shortage when in fact real hope is humanity's ppe and tantamount to second to a second immune system fueled by trust and requiring a degree of openness. He says this because some of our basic needs have been disrupted during this pandemic. Needs such as trust and intimacy have been thwarted. Trust because we daily receive conflicting news reports and intimacy because we are isolated and quarantined from those from whom we normally grow support. So how do we nurture our need for trust and our need for intimacy at this time? Well, hope is a way of life, not a short-term intervention. It's developed from infancy and maybe from life in the womb. We don't know that yet. If you go back to your Psychology 101 course in undergrad work, you will remember Erikson's chart of human development. The very first stage, infancy, if worked through adequately, will develop a sense of trust in the infant. Now remember, I said adequately, not perfectly. That is the foundation for everything that comes after that in life. And we can translate that idea of trust to hope. That sense of trust comes from an infant's attachment to its parents or primary caregivers and then gets transferred to others and eventually to whoever the higher power is in one's life. Subsequent psychologists, especially Winnicott, a British psychologist, referred to this as attachment. In short, how we attach to our early caregivers is how we attach to others over a lifetime, and that subsequently engenders our hope. The Russian writer Anton Chekhov once wrote, any idiot can face a crisis. It's this day-to-day living that wears you out, and don't we know it? We have been day-to-day living now for almost eight months. Depending on where you begin counting, we are now in the eighth month and counting of the coronavirus pandemic. We have settled into the day-to-day living. And I think it's fair to say we are becoming very tired of it. Because things do not appear to be getting much better, and because when they do get a little better, We have a spike in cases of the virus and they spiral downwards again. This leads to an insidious lapse into anticipatory grief. Anticipatory grief is the attitude that this will never end and is only going to get worse. We will never find a way out. The longer the pandemic goes on, the more prone we are to become afflicted with anticipatory grief. And the really bad news is that it's catching, just as the virus itself is. We can pass our negative attitude from one to the other without realizing we're doing so. Therefore, we need to have our masks on and our hands washed and keep our social distancing against this negativity. We cannot let social distancing devolve into emotional distancing. Hope dies in a silo. Remember, Scioli says that hope is our primary PPE. One important way to do that is by practicing hope. This is difficult to do because we are surrounded by so much bad news on every front. So we must practice, practice, practice anticipatory hope. In addition, we must remind each other to live in this hopeful way every day. So how do we do that? How are we present to one another and reminding one another each day to live in a hopeful way. Well, five ways of building hope are relationships, having a goal, coping, our spirituality, whatever that may be, and our mission in life. Relationships are akin to that idea of attachment that I spoke of earlier. Even if we have not had positive experiences of attachment in our childhoods, life in family now, in community, in our workplace, affords us myriad opportunities for attachment. Primary would be our personal attachments to one another. You may be getting tired of the folks with whom you live after so many months of quarantine but surely you have others to whom you can reach out both in your own communities or around the world. This time gives us the opportunity to reach out to people who we have not had the time to reach out to in the past. A note, a phone call, a Zoom provides the means to rekindle relationships that may have gotten stale because of other demands on our lives. Re-nurturing those relationships can stimulate that need for intimacy. The second thing is having a goal. Not long-term huge goals, but short-term rewarding ones. If your goal is to go out and save the world when this is all over, it won't work for you. It's unattainable. You can't do that on your own. But if your goal is short-term and small, then you have something tangible to look forward to. Maybe something as simple as getting together with a friend for ice cream or a cup of coffee as soon as it's safe to do so. That provides something to work towards. Having goals that are attainable, that are short-term, gives us a feeling of having accomplished something. And that helps to boost the morale and help us to get through whatever downtime we are having during this pandemic. Coping is another way of getting ourselves through the pandemic and holding on to that hopeful attitude. Figure out what is the best coping mechanism for you during this time. Discipline yourself around watching TV. I say to people, don't turn the television on first thing in the morning. It's going to set your day off poorly. And don't watch television after 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. You may think that watching television at night isn't bothersome because you fall asleep, you seem to sleep well during the night. However, your brain is still working while you're sleeping. So what you've heard on that news, and 90% of it is not positive, what you've heard on that news keeps your brain thinking and trying to work out what it's heard. Limiting the amount of COVID-related conversations that happen at dinner or when your family gathers or when you gather with friends. Having the dinner hour totally absorbed with talking about how many new spikes there have been, where is the worst place in the world, none of that is good for your digestion and it's not good for the relationships that we normally have around a dinner table. Occupying yourself with hobbies or games, either alone or together with other people. That's a good distraction from what's going on around us at this time. And then finally, time alone. Taking a little bit of time several times a day just to center yourself and be mindful of your feelings at that particular time so that you bring yourself back to a normal homeostasis several times a day. Finding what works for you is the important thing because what works for you may not work for someone else. So choosing what works for you is important. Developing some type of a spirituality, a relationship with a higher power. Devoting time to putting yourself in the presence of that higher power and asking for some kind of help. Two foundations for practicing anticipatory hope are mindfulness and gratitude. Mindfulness, which as you probably know, is sort of a buzzword at this particular point in time, urges us to stay in the present moment and not lurch into the future and worry about what might happen next. Hope-filled people develop a practice of mindfulness that includes some form of contemplation or meditation. We do that each day, whether we're praying or we're simply meditating or we're contemplating either alone or with other people. But we do take a hopefulness temperature when we do that. What attachment do you have to that higher power that leads you to trust that the higher power is in control and knows what it is doing? Then in our mindfulness moments, do we incorporate some type of hope? Perhaps it would be helpful to designate certain times of day for a mindfulness moment. It might be in the morning, Right after you've had breakfast or before you've had breakfast. And then again at lunchtime, right before or after you have lunch. And then at dinner time, three times a day when you take your hopefulness temperature and you become mindful of what's happening to you in that moment and how you can correct it toward a more hopeful attitude. Then finally, at the end of the day, before you go to bed, thinking about what hope do you have for the morning? What hope do you have for the next day? What would you like to accomplish the next day that might engender that hope in you? Which brings me to our mission in life. In this time, what do you believe your mission in life is to yourself, to your family, to the community in which you live, to your workplace, to other people. Work toward whatever you think your particular mission is. Again, nothing big or grandiose, but something that is attainable on a daily basis. We are responsible for keeping that flame of hope alive in one another. We are not journeying in this life alone, but with one another near and far. Skillly says that we should surround ourselves with hope providers, those people who foster hope in us. And certainly, we need to be hope providers ourselves. At this time, that may very well be your mission in life to be the hope provider for the other person. Which brings me to gratitude. Besides mindfulness, gratitude is another foundation of hope. What would it be like if at morning and evening time, each day, we expressed gratitude for one thing that had happened in the intervening time? Just one word when you're gathered with your family, when you're talking to a friend, just inserting one word that said, today I felt grateful for such and such a thing. Just that one word. And saying it aloud to someone else not only helps you to be a hope provider for them, but it also helps to ingrain in you the fact that you are grateful for something that has occurred during the past 24 hours. Gratitude has a way of developing a sense of well-being which engenders hope. It helps us to delight and to feel satisfied with what we already have. To be grateful We have to draw on the resources that bring out the best in us. And those would be the hope providers of which Scioli speaks. So I want to leave you with the the idea that anticipatory hope is available to all of us. This will end, we will get through it. At the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, Queen Elizabeth gave a talk to the people of Great Britain, which was really quite unusual because normally the only time she gives a talk to the entire Commonwealth is at Christmas. But she gave a talk at the beginning of the pandemic and she referred to a song that had been sung during the Second World War called We'll Meet Again. The song is really doesn't have wonderful lyrics and it certainly isn't going to uh go into the the whole panorama of what is the best of music but it accomplished for the people of great britain the whole idea of we will meet again we will be able to get through this we will be able to come out on the other side having learned from it and being successful. She was a hope provider, and the song was a hope provider. She referred to it in her recent speech at the beginning of March, and at that time, billboards went up all over England with We'll Meet Again on the billboard to help people to remember that this is not the first time we have had to struggle through something terrible in life and there's every reason to believe that we're going to come out on the other side having succeeded, having gotten through it. So Google the song because you will be able to hear it if you Google it and just listen to it. It's a very simple little ditty, but it helped to bring that whole idea of anticipatory hope to the people of the Commonwealth at that particular time. I leave you with that so that maybe you can find a piece of music, a poem, a prayer, whatever it might be that engenders that kind of hope in you. And then I'm encouraging you to be that provider of hope for all of the people whom you meet each and every day. Thank you. It's been wonderful to have been with you for this period of time.
0: You've been listening to the Wellness Journey Podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I hope today's podcast, Anticipatory Hope, proves useful to you. You can find all our podcasts and get additional information and resources for clergy and religious by visiting our website at sjvcenter.org. Remember, we're companions on the journey to stay healthy in mind, body, and spirit. We are the St. John Vianney Center, and our mission is you.